When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Slam and Jam here on the Athletic NBA Show. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA Show. You will get coverage of the NBA where you will not get it anywhere else. We have the real story. What? What's going on in Milwaukee? You want another real story? Go check out Eric Name, Sam Amick, Sham Sharania. They break it all down. It's one of like the most inside stories that you'll get in the NBA today. Go check that out today. Uh, with me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night with one of the biggest wins of the season. The Denver Nuggets went into Boston and beat the Celtics 102-100 to after Jason Tatum missed the potential game winner with three seconds left. Why was it one of the biggest wins of the season? Because it was Boston's first loss at home after starting the season with 20 straight wins at TD Garden. All hope is not lost for the Celtics, however. For one, they still have the best record in the league at 35-10. and 10. They actually followed up that loss to Denver with three straight wins. But also, the all-time record for home wins is 40, which is still possible. Mm-hmm. However, their next home game is a doozy. This Saturday, against the red-hot Los Angeles Clippers. On Saturday, the previously red-hot Utah Jazz began to sputter a little bit. After a loss to OKC at home, the Jazz followed that up with a one-point overtime loss in Houston, 127-126. to The Rockets, who have been sputtering themselves, were led by Alperin Shingoon, who scored a career-high 37 points to go along with 14 rebounds. For the season, Shingoon is averaging 22-9-5. Now, it has been a rough patch for Houston. They are 2-7 in their last nine, with the only other win coming over the Pistons, and one of the losses being a particularly rough one to the Blazers at home, who are on a back-to-back. Houston is 20-23. On Sunday, the Suns continued their recent rampage across the league, winning their fifth in a row, this time against the new-look Pacers with Pascal Siakam. Kevin Durant scored 40 points in the game, and the Suns' big three combined for 91 of their 117 points. Katie Booker and Beal are now up to 262 minutes together, and they have a plus 17.8 net rating in those minutes. The Suns would continue to win after this game and are now on a seven-game winning streak, moving all the way up to the fifth seed with a 26-18 record. For the Pacers, they eventually got their first win in the Siakam era later in the week, an impressive 134-122 win over the Sixers. On Monday, all hell broke loose in the NBA. First, Joel Embiid scored 24 points in the first quarter against the Spurs, and while it was cool, it was easy to wonder whether the Spurs would be able to keep it close enough to leave Embiid in as the game went on. Well, shout out to the Spurs who did their job, which gave NBA fans the chance to see Joel Embiid go for 70 points, including 24 of 41 from the field and 21 of 23 from the line and one single three-pointer. These 70 points were a franchise record for the Sixers, 
And as that game is going on, NBA fans find out that Carl Anthony Towns has 44 at half against the Hornets. Could he go for 80? Upstaging Joel Embiid? Well, he could have, and he arguably tried, but he fell a little short, finishing with 62 in the game. More importantly, especially if you are Wolves coach Chris Finch, Minnesota ended up losing that game to the Hornets, 128-125. And after the game, Finch said, quote, It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball all the way through the game. This is what happens when you have this type of approach. Finally, the other thing that happened on Monday, which seems like a blip in comparison, Kevin Durant scored 43 against the Bulls, including a game-winning shot with 1.1 seconds to go. On Tuesday, we got some news. First, a trade. Scary Terry Rozier was traded from Charlotte to Miami for Kyle Lowry and a future first-round pick. The expectation is that Lowry will be moved again before the deadline. The other news was a doozy. Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin was fired despite leading the Bucks, or at least being in close proximity to them, to a 30-13 and 13 record. And I hope you're sitting down because his replacement might shock you. That's right, Joe freaking Prunty. Actually, he's just the very brief interim coach. The Bucks' next head coach will be none other than podcaster Doc Rivers, the first podcaster turned coach in NBA history. Now, a lot of our younger listeners might not know this, but before becoming a podcaster, Doc Rivers was a head coach in the NBA, led the Celtics to the 2008 championship. He led each subsequent fan base whose team he coached to the brink of despair after collapsing in the playoffs. On Wednesday, the new look Heat with Terry Rozier made their grand debut by losing to Vince Williams Jr., Gigi Jackson, and Scottie Pippen Jr., three of the leading scorers for this current iteration of the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizz won 105-96, to continuing to be a pesky team despite half of the roster being injured. And for the Heat, it was their fourth loss in a row, which would become five later in the week after being walloped by Boston on Thursday night, 143-110. to the Heat are now 24-21, and 21, falling into the play-in at the 7th spot. And finally, on Thursday night, to celebrate a week of things we never thought we'd see, the Knicks-Nuggets game in MSG ended with an extended clip of Coach Tom Thibodeau smiling and laughing as he sat down at the post-game podium. Now, why was this normally gruff man so happy? Because the Knicks, with the addition of OG Ananobi, are starting to look like a real Tibbs team again. Since the OG trade... The Knicks have gone from the 19th-ranked defense to the second-ranked defense per cleaning the glass. And on this night, the Knicks held the reigning champs to 84 points, beating them 122-84. to And OG had a team-high 26 points and 6 steals. The Knicks have won five in a row and have moved all the way to 28-17. and They are now only two games behind the Sixers for third in the East. Also on Thursday, the 2024 NBA All-Star starters were announced. In the East, we've got first-time starter Damian Lillard, Tyrese Halliburton, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. And in the West, we've got first-time starter Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic. All-Star Reserves will be announced next Thursday. What a week it was, Andrew. Uh, before we jump into the main event, I did want to update the listeners on something. We uh, at Slam and Jam have, uh, for the last two years, been looking at championship contender resumes. Yes. This is something I did. I went back to, uh, when did I go back to? The 70s, sometime in the 70s. 71, 1971. 
I looked for qualities of the teams that eventually won a ring. Uh, so, for instance, uh, no champion has ever had worse than the ninth best odds in preseason. So that that immediately ruled out teams like Dallas, the Knicks, Minnesota, Sacramento, Cleveland. Uh, I guess I have to say OKC now. <laughs> they weren't, weren't on my list at the beginning of the year when we did this. Um, no NBA champion has ever started out 1-4 or 0-5. And, and no champion has ever had fewer than four wins in their first 10. Now, that that knocked out Miami. And the Clippers. Wow. That's kind of interesting in retrospect. Wow. So the next one, we got to update it, though, because it's been uh, half a season. And I did go back to 1971 and look at how many wins these teams had after 41 games. And what you find is that in order to be a true champion, you cannot win fewer than 24 games. So you have to go at least 24 and uh, whatever it would be. Yeah. So... And and the two teams that did that actually, it's it's that goofy Washington team from 1978 that yeah. were well by all accounts. <laughs> and then the 2006 Heat, that was the other team. Interesting. So, yeah. anyways, this also knocks off two more teams. So say goodbye to uh, this won't sound that crazy now, but say goodbye to the Warriors and say goodbye to the Lakers. See you later. Wow. And that Gone. leaves us with only five teams, Andrew, who still have a championship resume and that is boston denver milwaukee philadelphia and phoenix wow phoenix pulled it out there just in this last little stretch i think they've won like seven in a row wow that got them to 24 wins they're now 26 and 18 they're still there hanging on wow so they still have that championship resume um okay moving on to the main event which is the mid-season slammies the mid-season Slammies. This is our uh, yearly award show that sometimes I did uh, for the first trimester and then forgot to do it the rest of the year. Sometimes we only remembered at the end of the year. This year we're start we're starting off in the middle of the year, which I actually like better. I like doing it after forty one games. Um, this this won't this isn't your dad's uh, award show. Okay, right. we we came up with some fun awards to give out, and we're gonna start with Andrew, and you can you're welcome to go first. Unless you chose my same stat and don't steal it from me. Uh, the most <laughs> shocking stat award. So this is the stat from this first 41 games that when you found it, it shocked you, terrified you, frightened you. What was it? Yeah, I found this today. And I I still I'm having a hard time even comprehending it. Oh, great. And it's and I and I like kept sorting it over and over again. Like, that can't be right. Kevin Durant in the restricted area. Is shooting eighty four percent. Wow, eighty eighty four eighty four. There's like nobody else. Like I, I so the first thing I saw was Kawhi Leonard, who was shooting seventy nine percent in the restricted also area, good. which I thought, wow, there can't be another forward doing anything close to that because it's an absurd stat. But then I found Kevin's. 84%. It's like he's stealing percentage points from the mid-range because he's just he's like 45% from the mid-range, which is like way down from where he normally is. But So boy, this is specifically in the restricted area? In the restricted area on three attempts wow. per game. That's so, usually like only guys who dunk. That's like all they do. Yeah, like just you know, to like Usually it's like DeAndre Jordan or something like that. Yeah, to compare guys on his own team, Yusuf Nurkic's 59% in the yeah, restricted area. Sad. Drew Eubanks, who just basically dunks only 71%. 
I mean, it's it's a wild stat. Like, p- pick a pick a big man that you think this is just a dunker. They pick just a big man. They just dunk. Uh, pick a big man. And that's what they do. Uh, I'm actually looking at some big men right now. Derek Lively, who I think of him as like just lobs. Yeah. Even he's shooting eighty point four percent. Yeah. Be- Kevin is better. Jared Allen thought of as like a, a dunker, seventy three percent. Which which by the way is good. Very good. But it's not eighty four percent. That Durant is. I mean, that just uh, that it blew my mind what what he's doing in the restricted. I mean, even like Giannis is another one that you think of, you know, who just yeah. absolutely destroys in the restricted area, and Durant is just an absolute killer there. I mean, I just that. I mean, it just blew my mind that he's shooting that good. Giannis is seventy seven point nine percent. Which is really good, and it's on way more attempts. It's like four times the attempts, you know, that Durant yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's twelve attempts per game, so it would make sense that it would be less than eighty-four percent. And maybe if Durant could still get to the hoop with more regularity, it would be wouldn't be as good. But boy, that just it blew my mind. Shout out to me. Uh, now that I'm looking at it, Derek Lively is like the next guy, basically on yes. on th- those same amount of attempts yeah. on that list. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great because you're talking about one end of the spectrum. I'm going the other way at the rim. Among all players in the NBA who take at least two attempts at the rim per game, you filter out the guys who only played a game or two. So we're talking over 200 players still. Tyler Hero <laughs> is dead last in rim percentage at 42.1%. 42.1%. Now, there's a couple uh, things that are, make this stat so interesting. First... Let me read you the same stat for Tyler Hero in every other season of his career. Last year, 64.6%. The year before, 61.5%. Keep going back, 64.5%. What's going on here? His rookie season, 56.4%. Okay, finally okay. it dips a bit, but still, for the last three seasons, Hero has been incredibly consistent at the rim. And then all of a sudden, it falls off a cliff. Yeah. And th- that's, that's just the first thing that is interesting. The second thing that's interesting is if you step back a few feet into what NBA.com calls in-the-paint non-RA zone, so we're in the paint but not in the restricted area, of the 32 players in the NBA who take at least four attempts per game in that range, kind of like the floater range, Tyler Hero is ranked fourth at 52.6% behind only Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Kawhi Leonard. He's ahead of guys like SGA, Booker, KD, Embiid. He has simultaneously been the worst finisher at the rim this season while also having one of the best seasons from floater range. It's incredible, and that's why he gets this award, Most Shocking Sad Award. So congratulations. It's very shocking. Shockingly bad. Shockingly bad. Shockingly bad. Uh, Okay, next award, Fine, I Was Wrong Award, which goes to the preseason take we are reluctantly giving up. Um, and for me, it's uh, Yusuf Nurkic because, uh, listen, I understood the argument for why it made sense to trade DeAndre Ayton. You know, things were beyond repair with DeAndre. And on the court, Nurkic was going to provide more passing ability, which the Suns needed. But I was still extremely dubious, Andrew, that Nurk was going to be the level of player that the Suns would need. I had real concerns about his durability. Well, through half of a season, the only Phoenix Suns player to play in every single game has been, you guessed it, Yusuf Nurkic. Wow. All 42 games. And while his scoring hasn't been amazing, he's shooting under 50% from the field. Not great. He's rebounding the ball great. He's averaging three and a half assists per game. And when he's on the court, 
the Suns hold teams to 8.2 fewer points per 100 possessions, which leads the Suns and is in the 95th percentile in the league. And if you go over to dunksandthrees.com, his defensive EPM, plus 2.3, the guys immediately around him on the list, Chet Holmgren, Bam Adebayo, OG Ananobi. That's where that's where he is with defensive EPM. All things considered, Nurk has been an incredibly steady presence for a team that has desperately needed a steady presence through the first half of the season. And for that reason, I'm happy to give him my fine I was wrong award. Congratulations to Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Al, we, we uh, try to pick a surprise team every year. And <laughs> yeah, in the past, I've done pretty good. Uh, I, yeah, I, I picked maybe the most shockingly bad team in the league, like one of the most shockingly bad teams. I picked the Wizards to be my, the, the, the team I picked has one more win than to your be team. Surprise, too. I know, I know, you can still hold it over you. I know, and the, and that team actually has a, a has a worse net rating today, thanks to like the, the big go Wimby, back, go back to where you're Wimby Chet showdown. Um, <laughs> but the team I picked has seven wins right now. <laughs> They're so bad. Negative 9.1 net rating. Uh, I thought they could surprise. I thought they could shock the world and and win more games than than people thought they could. But uh, no, they are 7-37 currently. And uh, just, they they didn't fire their coach. They uh, told their coach. Promoted them in some ways. To take a different seat (laughs) and having Brian Keefe come in. Uh, it's not good, Al. I mean, almost everybody has underperformed to them. Um, I guess the only thing that's good is we got Bilal Kulabali, you know, doing some stuff. But other than that, it, yeah. was, it has been rough, and I was very, very wrong about the Zards. This is a very uh, niche stat, but maybe the most like shocking thing about the Wizards is that Jordan Poole has you can find him on the waivers in some fantasy basketball leagues like that that is truly crazy because yeah. coming into the season people were thinking like all right jordan bull he's gonna all right. get all the usage he wants I know. like he might score a 30 a game who knows yeah and it's been really rough and i did pick him up off of waivers and i keep waiting for it to turn around it hasn't exactly <laughs> happened yet but he has been slightly better lately um okay next award mid-season Seventh Man of the Year Award. Mm. Now, this is just a dumb award I made up. has no meaning. I'm not like trying to make a point about anything. <laughs> it means nothing. But to, to, to pick a person, they have to be outside the top six in minutes per game on their team. That's the only uh, qualifier. Because, you know, Sixth Man of the Year, some of these guys, you know, they're playing like 32 minutes a game. You know, yeah. I want to find someone deeper, deeper on the bench. So I sent you a name of uh, a list of names. I went through all the teams, kind of picked out some names I thought could maybe qualify. Who did you end up going with? I have a feeling I know who, but who did you go with? I feel like this is cheating a little bit because I think this guy could actually win the sixth man of the year, but I'm going with Nas Reed from the Oh, Nas Reed. From yeah. the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's been amazing for them. He's shooting 41% on five attempts from three this season. Yeah. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's a, a become like even a better playmaker. He He's... He's like improved his body a lot since he came in the league, so he can defend lots of different kinds of players. He's a fan favorite. I mean, they love, love, love him in Minnesota. And so I got to go, Nas Reed. It's been the year of Nas Reed. Uh, it's a great pick. I was talking to uh, Dane Moore today on the Dane Moore podcast and uh, just talking about like how 
how much that team struggles offensively because of the lack of spacing and having someone like Nas Reed, like how important he is, even on a team that still doesn't have spacing, even with Nas Reed. But like if they didn't have Nas Reed, oh. it would be so, so much rougher. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, he's critical to that team. Um, some other some of the other names I sent to Andrew just to, to peruse uh, Sam Hauser, Sam Merrill, uh, Goga, mm-hmm. Isaiah Joe, who actually is who I thought you might take. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Watson, Kelly Olynyk, Jonathan Kaminga, Russell Westbrook, Derek Lively, and then the player that I decided to go with. Now, I did come down to this player for Nas Reed, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad I went with the other player so that we can talk about someone else, and that's Dante Exum. Now, he has mm-hmm. been out of the lineup for a bit. I do not have a games requirement for my uh, seventh man of the year <laughs> award, <laughs> midseason award. He has played 31 <laughs> games. Um, but I, I wanted to pick him just because Man, I, I I had thought that I would never think about Dante Exum again. I know, you know? what like, a great story. I, yeah, it, like I, I remember that draft, and I remember the way that how excited like people were about Dante Exum because he really was like that year's man of mystery. Yeah, it was very exciting. Um, and then you know things just didn't turn out well. He goes overseas, and I just honestly just kind of forgot about Dante Exum. Mm-hmm. And for him to not just show back up into my life. But show back up and play a critical role on what is going to be a playoff team is super impressive. And basically any of the advanced stats like really love Dante Exum. Like the the his on-off numbers for the Mavs have been incredible. I went on uh, pbpstats.com. So these are really fun. You can you can go and put like, you know, however many players you want. It'll show you their net ratings with a couple guys off, a couple guys on. So Luca on. Dante Exum, Kyrie Irving off over 500 minutes. Net rating of minus six, Andrew. Minus six. Okay. Uh, Luca and Kyrie on, but no Dante Exum, a minus one. Well, now you add back in Exum. Exum and Luca, no Kyrie, plus 5.4. This is this one's really funny. Now, this is only 150 minutes, so it doesn't mean anything. It's a small sample. Dante Exum on, Luca and Kyrie off, plus 7.3. <laughs> Six. <laughs> um, he's just been so important to their offense. He's been a, a, like an incredible shooter. H- have you seen his shooting stats? I mean, that was the thing back then, like when he was drafted, you know, oh, if this guy could ever learn how to shoot, but uh, don't get too excited, you know, probably won't happen or something. He's shooting 46% from three. Now he's only taking two a game. He's only playing 19.5 minutes per game, but that's why he's the seventh man of the year. I just think he's been so helpful to that team, and uh, that's why I wanted to reward him. I also considered Derek Lively, who who I was actually surprised was in this range, like could could qualify for it. But I think Isaiah Joe's a great option. Yeah, Sam Merrill, I, I looked at it hard because he has been crazy over this last stretch. Yeah, but you know I'm looking for, I'm looking for guys who've been doing it the whole season. Okay, Andrew. Even even, um, even so that's even the other Sam Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser been great as well. Uh, next award. First half league pass team award. Now, I was debating uh, whether to lie when giving this award or actually give it to the team that I spent the most time watching through 41 games in the non-Thunder category. And I've decided to tell the truth, Andrew. Okay. Which is why my first half league pass team award goes to the Detroit Pistons. (laughs) Now, there are a lot of factors here. First, Detroit's games are always on first. Everyone knows this. It's true. Uh, Out here on the West Coast, they come on at 4 p.m. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm usually like wrapping up work stuff. I'll just turn. I just got in the habit of just turning on the Pistons games. You know, I, I drafted Asar Thompson on my fantasy team. and He started playing well. So I was like, oh, I need to tune in, see how this is, how he's doing it. And then there was the streak and th- that intrigue that slowly built over several weeks until watching the Pistons became almost as important to me as watching Thunder games. Yeah. And my lowest point besides betting on them against the Wizards, which they lost by 19, was the December 28th game against Boston that went to overtime. Yeah. Because I was home for the holidays with family that I don't see but once a year. And I was in the corner staring (laughs) at my phone, cracked screen, simultaneously rooting on, but also secretly rooting against a 2-29 and team. (laughs) I'd become as obsessed with watching the Pistons lose as the Pistons were with losing. But I wouldn't trade it for the world, Andrew. It was a genuinely memorable ride. There's so many great Pistons accounts on Twitter that I found through this experience. I feel invested in what this team does next. So how could I not give them my first half League Pass team award? Uh, I'm going to go with a uh, probably a little bit more popular pick. Okay. With, with the Indiana Pacers. And it was, mm. it was one of their in-season tournament games that just was like the first time I was like, oh my gosh. So when they played the Atlanta Hawks and beat them one fifty-seven to one fifty-two, where you're just like, "What? Like what? Like genuinely, what is happening here?" You know, it wasn't they—they've scored one fifty three times, twice against the Hawks, once against the Spurs, um, and then I got to see them in person against Milwaukee uh, at the in-season tournament in Vegas, and they were just electric. Like they were, they're just such a fun team. Halliburton is just one of the most fun players to watch. And they have a really fun cast of characters around those guys. Uh, you know, it's got to be them for me. They're they're also an East Coast team, so we, we watch a lot of West Coast basketball. And so, you know, to fl- just flip on and, like, casually watch a League Pass team, like, to me, it had to probably be an East Coast team because on most nights, we're watching Thunder basketball um, for West True. Coast time. But Indy. I just love watching Indy. Also great uniforms. Also great court. In-season tournament court. I kind of miss the in-season tournament courts. Oh. Uh, Okay. Uh, Next award. Uh, Bold prediction for the second half of the season award. So, Andrew, uh, what is your bold prediction for the rest of the season? Oh, man. Bold prediction. This is, it's tough to come up with something like super bold when you mm, like, disagree. <laughs> take a look at what's going <laughs> on here with the league. Um, but I will say, I think the Utah Jazz will finish ahead mm. of the Lakers and the Mavericks in the Western Conference standings. Oh, the Mavericks. Okay, that's juicy. That's a juicy one. You I don't believe in uh, Dante Exum, my seventh man of the year? After your after your seventh man speech, I'm uh, I'm, wow. I'm way against it. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, all right. So in my opinion, for a prediction to truly be bold, you sh- you should not feel comfortable saying it. Okay? Yeah. I felt if comfortable saying uncom- Lakers. I did not feel comfortable saying Good. Mavericks. Yeah. Good. That's how you know that's bold. Yeah. Um. So with that. My second half bold prediction is that the Detroit Pistons will win more games than they won last year. Now, as a reminder, they won 17 games last year. 
which means they need to go 13 and 25 the rest of the way. They have five wins uh, right now. <laughs> but 13 and 25, that's only a 28 win pace, Andrew. Is that so crazy? Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not asking them to go. They're five and 39. It's pretty crazy. No. <laughs> it's no, bold. I'm not asking them to go. It's bold. You should be you should be taken as a compliment. It is bold. Uh, well, there's some early returns that suggest this team is turning a corner. Over their last five games, in which they've gone two and three, they have the 10th ranked offense per clean the glass, 119.9 points per 100 possessions. Okay. And I know what you're saying. Weren't those two wins against Washington and Charlotte? Yes, but shut up. They still Charlotte are. just beat Minnesota Yeah. and Washington. Uh, so Troy Weaver, Weaver finally did the bare minimum <laughs> and he traded for Mike Muscala, a guy who most would consider a fringe NBA player. Yeah. Who also happens to be exactly what Detroit needs right now. And this team already looks way more functional offensively. And when Cade gets back, he's now coming back to a team, Andrew, that has so much more spacing than it did. We got Muscala. We got Monty Morris. He's back. Alec Burks learned how to shoot again. He's shooting 46% from three since Cade went out. Uh, a sprinkling of Gallo. Maybe another small trade, a medium-sized trade. I don't know. I'm not asking this team to do anything crazy, okay? I'm asking them to play at the pace of a 28-win team the rest of the season. That's wow. it. Wow. And I think, finally, once Cade's back, they uh, have the offensive pieces to put a solid offense on the floor every night and win enough to get to 18 games. They will finish ahead of the Wizards. Wow. What do you think about that? That's pretty bold. They're only they're only they're actually only two games back of the Wizards. That's actually not yeah, that yeah, bad. yeah. That's that's not that bold of it. But they they also will likely make some more deals as they get closer. We'll to see. Deadline. I'm 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 factoring so, that in. So I'm factoring in. So. Yeah, yeah. That makes uh, sense. Can I wonder if there's are there like mid season over unders that you can bet on? Like, is there if oh. if, if would Vegas put their over under at like twelve and a half right now or something? I don't know. That's a great question. I, I would I would slam that over. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. So that was our individual awards. These next couple awards are group awards, Andrew, which means we have to agree on the winner. Now, I think some of these will be easy for us, but some might be tough. First, we're going to do the first half major awards. Oh, I, I, but I, have, I have I have a midseason over underline at 11 and a half. Oh my god, 11 and a half? Are you kidding? Not kidding. Oh my gosh. I'm liquidating my account <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> putting it on the pistons over. Uh okay, first half major awards. The caveat is that you can't pick the favorites. So for instance, we are going to pick our first half MVP, but you can't pick Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Now, this one, let's be honest, we're going to pick Shea. Uh, we're Thunder fans. Yeah, we 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 think he deserves it. Yeah, we does. really like him. Yeah, he's been great. They're the number one team in the West. You could make a very compelling case for Jokic, obviously. Uh, but sure. let's just move along because we both know we're going to pick Trey. Okay, the coach of the we year, don't get Andrew. To say anything? Huh? We don't even get to say anything. I mean, go ahead. It's fine. You can go listen no, to me on the Game Theory podcast with Sam Vecini. I, I make the case for Boom. Shea to win it. So and all and also you were uh, you talking about him on tampering today as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, quit talking about him. Okay, <laughs> Coach of the Year. You can't pick Mark Dagnall. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> who would you like to nominate for Coach of the Year, Andrew? I mean, Chris Finch has been amazing for the Wolves. He has, and he he is number two in odds. Yeah. May may I make a case for one other guy who 
I was on BetMGM. He's not even on the top 10 list. Really? Will, Will Hardy? No, although that's a pretty good choice as well. Yeah? J.B. Bickerstaff. Oh. Because yeah. this Cavs team, he lost two... Yeah. All, I mean, two, I guess they're not all... Because MMO's not made an all-star game. But he's lost two starters. Yeah. One of whom was an all-star. And he. this yeah. team has been one of the best teams since that point. It's true. And they are a home court advantage team as of right now. I know the Knicks are, are very close there as well. Um, I just think he deserves a ton of credit. You have to give him some of the credit for helping manage this team. Yeah. But I also think that the Timberwolves have been one of the stories of this season, having the best defense in the league. Yeah. They've been very, very good. And I think that his task, I mean, it's very hard coming back from two starters being out, but Finch's task of trying to figure out the Gobert thing after mm-hmm. what happened last season mm-hmm. and finally figuring it out and making it all work. Yeah. I think that is very deserving. Yeah. Cause you know? I mean, a lot of people thought they'd have to make a move. Like, yeah, to, absolutely. To, to trade Gobert and then you basically lose asset. I mean, it's just, it, it could be disastrous, but instead they're, they, you know, they're right there with the thunder for number one in the West. Uh, next one, most improved player. You can't pick Tyrese Maxey. Uh, Who would you pick? I actually mm-hmm. would pick Scotty Barnes. Okay. Scotty Barnes. Why? Well, one, he has improved from last season to this season. I also think Kobe White is like the other, like really, who, who I think has mm-hmm. a chance to win it. Um, but Scotty Barnes, for 15 points to 20 points per game, he's taking on more offensive responsibilities. He's averaging a career high in points, assists, rebounds. In uh, steals and blocks this season, he looks like a player that could be a franchise guy. Which last season he had taken maybe a small step forward, maybe a small step back, depending on who you talk to. Uh, I think he's taken a massive step forward. His shot looks better. He's making more threes. He's shooting more threes. He's taking five threes per game at almost thirty-seven percent, um, which is just really good for a player like that. So. Scotty Barnes going from like good player to like a guy that you feel like is a pillar of your franchise to me. That's a, it's a tough step to take, and he's done it this season. Um, he made my final four. Uh, the others in my final four, I uh, wanted to mention Shingoon because he's been yeah. great. But yeah. I would argue that a lot of his improvement was just his team deciding to play him. His, and, co- his uh, coach deciding he was a good player. Yeah, basically. So I don't like I th- I think Shingun was probably that player last year or close to it. Mm-hmm. He obviously has improved, but also they're running the offense through him. They're doing the things they should have been doing right. this entire time. Um so I don't want to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh J Dub. He's been great, but he's, he's a second good. year player. Yeah. He should get better. Yeah. I uh, don't want to give it to him. Yeah. So it came down to me to Scotty Barnes and Kobe White. The reason I went Kobe White is because even though I talked about him in the second half of last year saying, oh, this guy's really coming along, like he's, he's maybe he's making a pre-leap, I never imagined in a million years that this would happen in year five yeah. for Kobe White. Mm-hmm. Like there's a thing with young players, and it's unfair because we've seen it with like Markkinen, where like if it doesn't happen by year three, you kind of check out a little bit and, and you like reduce your expectations for that player. Yeah. And that had certainly happened with me and Kobe white. Mm-hmm. So I just love those stories when a guy like in his fifth or sixth year just explodes out of nowhere. Like when Julius Randall, when it happened with him, where a guy later in his career 
just kind of breaks out where he's still young. Like it makes sense that he would get better, but he breaks out to such a degree that it surprises you. Um, his shooting has been incredible. His playmaking has been great. And the way that he carried that Bulls team for a lot of that stretch, like immediately after Levine went out and has still continued to be a good player, even as Levine has come back in the lineup. That's why I opted for Kobe White. Yeah. Um, what, do, what do you think? We yeah, have, I mean, I mean, after I mean, the last fifteen games, he's twenty-one, five and five. Which, yeah, did you ever think he would have a fifteen-game stretch where he would average something no. like that? Yeah, no. let's give it to Kobe White. <laughs> let's give it to Kobe. All right, the improvement is uh, striking. Like I think you could have reasonably thought that Scotty Barnes would get better. You know, Kobe was more right. out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Um. Next easy one, rookie of the year, Wimby is now the favorite. So. Listen, this isn't even a homery. Uh, we're going with Chet, okay? We don't really have to talk about it. <laughs> we don't have to talk about right? it. We're not going with Jaime. All right, we're yeah, going with Chet. No, it's a battle between those two. And it's, man, it's, it is, it's crazy because these are both like generational players. And I, I feel like you can pretty safely say that for both of these guys. They're, they're both incredible. And the arguments back and forth have just gotten ridiculous. And I dipped my toe into that yesterday. And boy, those uh, those waters those waters are boiling hot, Al. I'll tell you that. Yeah. See, I, I prevented all this by drafting Wemby in the second round of my fantasy <laughs> draft, which some thought was crazy at the time. But ever, as he gets hey. better, I've just been proving yeah. more and more smart. Yeah. So I feel great. Um, okay. Defensive player of the year. You can't choose Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to choose the same guy. Let's say his name. I'll say three, two, one, and then we'll say his name. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Anthony Davis. OG Ananobi. Oh. I like OG. I actually talked to Vicini about this too. And I and he kind of swayed me away from it. And that okay. OG just wasn't that good for the Raptors. If it were just like OG on the Knicks, <laughs> I would be totally in on this and may even start to try to argue that he should be the defensive player of the year, period. And maybe we'll get there okay. if he plays like this the rest of the season. But with the Raptors, it just wasn't this good. That's true. That's a very good point. Um, the, the one thing I just did want to mention, like it is pretty amazing that he goes to this team and within 12 games, they go from the 19th ranked defense to the second ranked defense I, dude, in the I, league. I know. It's, and just watching him at his size, defending you know, all the best players on the other teams. I mean, he is... He was like he's the perfect addition to that team. He's been unbelievable, and if and maybe if he does this the rest of the season, I think he he'll he'll probably make all defense and then probably wind up you know second in voting. And I think he deserves it. But Anthony Davis has been really really good for the Lakers, and I think they would be rudderless without him. Uh, the deep like he's got a massive job on defense, and he's been healthy. And so I want to give him credit while I still can because it's just it feels like inevitable. Because you because you feel the OG train coming, I can, and you know it's going to overtake him. I mean, maybe, but I also feel. Did that you see? Uh, he's not going to. We're healthy. recording on Thursday night. Uh, the Knicks beat the Nuggets tonight, one twenty-two to eighty-four. OG had twenty-six points, six steals, wow. and there's a very funny clip, a little seven-second clip of uh, Tibbs sitting down at the post-game press conference, like smiling. Nonstops, just like giggling. He was giggling. <laughs> he was so happy. I mean, why you got to give it to OG for that? Look what he's done to Tibbs. He's hey. made him so happy. Yeah, 
I I will give it to I'll I'll give it to OG just because I do believe yes, yes. I do believe in him keeping this up throughout the rest of the season. He does have to keep doing it because I mean now it's been 13 games. That's still not very many it's a games. Very small. Sample. But if we get to the end of the season and he's had this effect over like 55 games, yeah, that would be incredible. I mean they'll be the number one defense in the league. Yeah, they'll probably continue going up the East standings. That that would really make his. Then maybe his he strong. could actually. This is, this is a little preemptive. Maybe he could actually win it too. Maybe that'd be fun. Um, last one, six man of the year. You can't choose. Do you even? Did you even know that Tim Hardaway Jr. was the I favorite? Did, I did. I did know this. Yes, okay. I did. Um, I looked at. I looked it up. Uh, the guy I went with is the guy who I thought was the favorite, which is Malik Monk. Yeah. Um, I know the Kings have been in a little rough patch. Yeah. Um, but you can't deny the the improvement as a playmaker that Monk has that we've seen from Monk this mm-hmm. year, and he's just been so huge for this team at a time when so many of their players were going through various slumps. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was like Harrison Barnes not looking good, the mm-hmm. year Kevin Herter having so many issues, Keegan Murray even at the very beginning of the year was really struggling. Yeah, um, he has been like so important for them off the bench and in closing games he's had huge moments i think he's like your classic six man yeah your classic six man he's classic you would give this award to uh other guys i would consider norman powell who's been yeah he's shooting like 45 percent from three or something yeah 45 percent from three and like five attempts i mean he's he's been really really good for them uh jordan clarkson is another one another classic six Mm -hmm. man but i'm with you malik monk give me malik monk Okay, uh, the next one we have to agree on Master of Illusion Award, the team whose record is most deceiving. So this could go either way. It could be a team whose record's worse than you think they are or a team that's record is better than you think you are. They are. I mean, the, the easy one is Milwaukee, right? The easy one is Milwaukee, yes. Can, can we even count that at this point? Um, I mean, I didn't pick them. Yeah. Um. Because, uh, you know, Doc's coming in there. Yeah. Uh, Doc's you know. coming in there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll turn things around. Yeah. I, I just, but I agree with you. Like, everyone kind of knows that. Yeah. They know it. Yeah. So, did you have any other teams, though? I mean, I thought about Phoenix, too. Exactly. That's who I went with. Phoenix. You know, yeah. They're, they're 26 po- and 18. 26 and 18. seven in a row. Point differential is not, doesn't, is not anything to write home about. I don't know. It's not. It's it's all an injury thing, because if you like look at the minutes that their best guys are playing together, they're just destroying teams. Yeah, and they're now healthy for the longest stretch, and they've been unbeatable mm-hmm. over these last seven games, mm-hmm. and they've had some good wins in there. So I think it's deceiving because if these guys had just been healthy from the beginning of the season, I think they're in that conversation with like what we see as that top tier, which is you know OKC, Minnesota, Denver and the Clippers. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I mean, they're, they're at 26 wins. It's not like they're that far behind those other teams. So if they stay healthy, I think this team is going to be right there at the end of the season. And as I mentioned, they still have their uh, contender resume. Yeah, they do. Ready to go. I, I'm less of a believer. I'm, I'm almost an opposite believer in the other direction. An opposite the, believer. Interesting. A, a non-believer? Believer. I'm a non-believer. <laughs> really? Yeah. Even, even if they're healthy. I'm not asking you about the the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I just I just don't they're supporting cast I just don't believe in. 
Wow. So you almost think it's a master of illusion. You think their record's deceiving as it is now after this seven yeah, game stretch. I kind of do. Wow. But hmm, I don't know. maybe I'm just a hater. Uh, two more, two more. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to do this one first. Play out to play in award. Team uh-huh. currently outside the play in that we feel most confident will make the play in. So the realistic options Brooklyn, Toronto, Houston, Golden State. Yeah. And both Brooklyn and Toronto lost tonight. Uh, I mean, I I was tempted to pick Brooklyn just because I think the bottom of the East there, like with Atlanta, oh. like if Atlanta makes a move, like they could get worse. Like Brooklyn could not even be that great. It's wild that Atlanta spot. is tenth. It is wild. Yeah, there there was there was people very excited about them beginning. They're eighteen and twenty six, and they're tenth. That's what I'm surprised about. Not even that they're bad. Yeah. Of course they're bad. But the fact that they get they get into the play in at eighteen and twenty six, yeah, get them out of there. Sixteen games um, out of first place, sixteen. So realistically, I think you have to go Houston or Golden State. Yeah, um, both teams who I think could make a deal at the deadline that could swing this. Yeah, give me the and Warriors. Both give me the Warriors. 100%. Teams who I think are incentivized. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Warriors. Yeah. That one's, I just, that one's a little easy at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's just you don't want to be the one to uh, predict the downfall. But, you know, Josh Houston's already did. He did that preseason. But I just think they'll climb back in it. I think that they'll they'll get back in it, and my bold prediction will likely be wrong and that Utah will fall out, and it'll be Golden State, Lakers, Mavs, Kings, Pelicans, all in that mix. Yeah. It'll be my, um, my guess. Yeah, and with Houston, uh, you know, it, I, th- I think I ca- I was counting up their wins and losses. They're like seven and fourteen in their last twenty-one. Yeah, um, three and seven in the last ten. Yeah, three and seven in the last ten. Yeah, you just wonder if they'd be willing to do a bigger trade. Like I keep seeing uh, Rockets fans starting to some Rockets fans starting to be willing to talk about Jalen Green trades, and I would be interested to see what this team would look like with someone else in place of Jalen Green. Yeah. Um, I, think, I do think that would be interesting. They'd be better. Yeah. They'd be better. Um, okay, final one. Second half run award. Now, this is given to a team currently around or below 500 that will make a second half run. So you can go as high as I would say the Miami Heat. I think they're 24 and 21 now mm-hmm. if you really wanted to take Miami. Okay. But uh, I, I'm very confident about my pick. And it is. I wonder if it's the same team. Mm-hmm. Orlando Magic. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, because listen to this. First of all, they were great at the start of the season. Yeah. And then they started to deal with some injuries. Franz just came back, back in the lineup after missing eight games. Mm -hmm. From now until the end of the season, they have the 30th ranked schedule. Interesting. Easiest schedule in the league. So, yes, it's been rough, but unlike Milwaukee – who Milwaukee's flipped. Like Milwaukee just had like the easiest part of their yeah, schedule. And true. now I think they're like, I think they might be number one in terms of hardest schedule rest of the season. Orlando's the opposite. So I think if they can get healthy and they're also a team that has some trade deadline intrigue, if they could grab a shooter or maybe another playmaker. Yeah. I really think that would make a huge difference to the magic. And with this easy schedule, I mean, they got three games left against Detroit. Now I do need Detroit to win <laughs> 13 games, say, but still, it, it, at the same time, yourself. it is still Detroit. They have to lose 25 of them, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I feel confident that the Magic are going to make a second half run. I think it's Indy. Indy? 
Yeah. Are are they? Where are they? What's the record right now? 20. 24 and 20. They're right oh, there with the they Heat. Just beat, they just beat the Sixers, though. That's I know. Cheating. You qualified the Heat, though. I didn't know yeah. that. I mean, you if you you brought the Heat into the conversation, give me Indy. I mean, they just got Pascal Siakam. They want to make a run. Is oh. that is that cheating? Oh. oh. Well, they're 25 and 20 now. Now. And they just beat the Sixers. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me see what their remaining strength of schedule is. They are, ooh, wow, 28th. So they have the third easiest schedule. And they have yeah, like a legit, yeah, like really, they have like a, a good team that it takes time to mm. adjust, especially with a player as good as Pascal. Like it just takes time. But I think that. Okay, so how, how confident are you? Like how high do you think they could go? I think, man, they, the East is starting to look so good. They could get to four, I think, reasonably. They're only three back. And even then, like, dude, the Knicks are on fire. I know. Eight and two in their last ten, won five in a row. Sixers are obviously great. Bucks, we assume, are about to be. I mean, they've been good, but they've been be good, even better. Yeah. Cleveland's going to get their guys back. Pacers are right there. At six. Pacers are good. East is loaded. The Heat, Heat are still good. It's it's loaded until it's not. You know. Well, it is right now. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's fine. I mean, I mean, I mean once Pacers. you get down to like, because that's the thing with the East is that some of these play-in teams are just not scary at all. Like Chicago and and Atlanta. I mean, those are two play-in teams right now. You know? Yeah, for sure. You look at the West though. Like the Lakers are ninth in the West as a play-in team. Yeah, and, Mavs and you Kings. know and the Mavs and the Kings. Like you look at the and then you look at the top of the West. Who they'd be playing if they won? Oklahoma City and Minnesota. And you ask the Lakers, are you scared to play in Oklahoma City or Minnesota? They're probably like, no, no mm-hmm. way. Yeah, the the West is just, the depth of the West, like the quality depth of the West is still just insane. Where like the East, it, it like falls off a cliff. It feels like. Um, well, if we're gonna cheat, uh, twenty five and twenty, um, we'll we'll choose the Pacers. Okay, they are they are a better team. Yeah, and I think yes, the Siaka move is is going to start paying off. I know it started off a little rough, but they get that big win tonight. So, yeah, that's a that's the end of the mid season. Slammies. Congratulations to all the winners. Yes, uh, a team that we didn't mention at all for the midseason <laughs> Slammies is the Charlotte Hornets, and we're going to talk about them right after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator 
and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash NBA show 23. That's linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. Last week, the wheel landed on the Charlotte Hornets, and it was a pretty entertaining week for the Hornets, who had several close games that came down to the final few minutes. Overall, the Hornets went 2-2. Two and two. The losses were to Philly and Detroit. The wins came against San Antonio and the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road in a game where Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 points. The Hornets also made a trade this week, sending Terry Rozier to the Heat for Kyle Lowry and a future first. The Hornets are 10-31, 13th in the East with the 27th ranked offense and 28th ranked defense, according to Cleaning the Glass. Andrew, if our favorite team is the Hornets, who is our guest? It's my guy, Richie Randall. He's a co-host of the BuzzBeat pod on Blue Wire. Richie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. This is a uh, repeat guest appearance. I'm excited. That's right. right. Yes, number Uh, two. uh, Richie, let's start with Brandon Miller, who over these four games averaged 24 points, six and a half rebounds, and nearly three assists on 57, 45, 87 shooting splits. He's in the midst of the best stretch of his season, and we see his usage, his usage is going to crank up over the next you know few weeks as Terry Rozier is gone. Uh, where have you seen the biggest improvements in his game from the beginning of the season until now? Yeah, I think just you know being more comfortable with the ball in his hands. I think that's one thing that that Clifford has talked about since really he's come into the to the uh, to the game as a rookie. Uh, he doesn't get sped up. Like he is, is very slow. Nobody can slow him, you know, speed him up. Uh, I think the fact that he can play in the middle of the court out of the pick and roll, he still has got to bulk up, obviously, in, in those types of situations because he's going to get pushed off his path. Um, and I think, you know, over the offseason when he had mono, it kind of set him back tremendously in terms of mm. that weight gain. And so we, we keep pointing to the next offseason as, okay, maybe this is the offseason upcoming that, that Brandon Miller put on some weight. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him moving forward. But it, it just, just in terms of his overall growth, just he just seems so mature out there. And, you know, like I said, like nobody can speed speed him up. Uh, he really is making shots from all over the court, above the break, in the middle of the court. Um, he's got to get better at the rim, but I think that will come with time. And defensively, like he actually wants to defend. And this is a team that doesn't have a lot of good defenders like Cody Martin might be the one guy but he's missed so much time this year and uh, he's coming back from an injury and try to work his way back in uh so despite the fact that he does have like a wiry frame he actually competes on that end of the court so I would also say the defensive side too just kind of showing up on that end and for a team like you know Clifford that coaches a team that is in the bottom five of defense it's kind of sad to see but at least he is at least buying in and, and wants to win and compete on that end and um, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing. So everyone saw the scenes of Hornets fans just devastated that Charlotte did not draft Scoot Henderson at two. I'm assuming that sentiment has flipped and the Hornets fans are feeling pretty good about that decision. 
Yeah, it's so funny, like how you make a judgment, well, obviously on the day of the draft, yeah. but then too, like just in the rookie season as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. we'll know this until two or three seasons down the road. But yes, the sentiment has totally flipped. Uh, the people that were in favor of Scoot uh, obviously now are trying to favor Brandon Miller. I didn't have really a strong feeling one way or the other, uh, but I did see the upside with Brandon Miller and obviously Scoot Henderson, you know, maybe more recently he's done better, but he just hasn't shot the ball well for Portland. Uh, and, and Brandon Miller, you know, is the, is the pick that the Hornets fans are kind of rallying around, galvanizing with. And uh, it's funny how people, you know, they, they change their tune on, on these things. Yeah. So I want to talk about LaMelo because, you know, partly due to injuries, partly due to the team just not being very good. He hasn't been in the spotlight as much as he was his first two seasons. And statistically, he's putting up very similar numbers to his previous seasons. But one area he has improved substantially is in the pick and roll. In his first three seasons, Lamelo's points per possession in pick and rolls never got higher than 0.81, which was always below the 40th percentile. This season, he is averaging 0.98 points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler, which is in the 75th percentile, same number as Donovan Mitchell. What has changed, in your opinion, that has allowed him to become so much more efficient as a pick and roll operator this season? It's an interesting question. I did not know that that was the case. Um, I have not seen anything like noticeable different at my yeah. years of experience and maybe i mean mark williams has been out for the past what 20 games or something like that but like maybe playing with a guy like mark williams second year under their belt having more mm -hmm. confidence that he can you know play out of that i think clifford has really turned the reins over to Lamelo, and you see that usage just go up way up and yeah. in previous years especially under borrego it, it almost felt like the offense was by committee they had a lot of different guys ball handling miles bridges and you know lamella ball does play well off the ball but i think you know where you see his biggest strength is on the ball pick and roll and he's just so calm in the middle of the court he can find you know players does that include like is it just him scoring or is also his teammates as well uh i think it's just, just so him. it's pick and roll ball handler points per possession so i guess it is just points generated from okay, okay. pick and roll yeah. Okay. What? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the the assists come into play too, but just drawing the attention. I think one of the biggest things too is with the pick and roll is the the deep shooting for him. You know, when teams go under, he has the range on that three point shot. I, I would say he's kind of up there with with Trey and and Steph and and Dame and all those different types of players that can shoot from. 26 27 feet and uh that's something that he's really good at in in terms of uh you know using that screen using the advantage and just pulling up from deep so his three-point shot has done really well out of the pick and roll uh and and if those numbers include the passes obviously he's a very talented passer yeah i saw his usage was like at 35 percent, like almost 36 percent or something which is like clearly the highest of his career yeah, I mean, it's, they have turned the ball over to him, and um, they aren't looking back. And obviously, with Tira Rozier gone, uh, it's only going to climb up a little bit more higher. And, you know, the biggest thing with LaMelo is just kind of staying healthy. And uh, those ankles are just tearing him down. And he doesn't want to wear ankle braces, which is the funniest thing to me. Everyone's just like, okay, LaMelo, you get you got to at least try him. If, if they're uncomfortable, <laughs> first, you got to at least try him because you are the star of this team, the star of Charlotte, and uh, we can't afford you to miss 25-plus games every year. So we talked about Brandon Miller, but there's another rookie who may start to see increased minutes in the second half of the season, Nick Smith Jr., who's been a regular part of the rotation since about mid-December. Uh, he's a really interesting prospect because he was a five-star 
recruit no. out of high school, number two in the nation, but by the draft, opinions were just all over the place with him. There was some draft Twitter, shout out Ben Pfeiffer, who were still really high on him, but he ends up going at the end of the first round. Uh, what are your early impressions of his game, and have you seen the flashes of the high upside potential that were people were talking about with him coming out of high school? Yeah, I mean, he he is very much an energizer off the bench, and and I think that translates on both ends of the court. Offensively, he's doing really well from behind the arc. I did not know that was in his game in terms of just the overall efficiency. I think it will probably kind of go down over the course of the season and his career, uh, but he can score off the catch. He can score off the bounce. Like, he's, he's very quick, but he's also not out of control, and so when he is running 100 miles an hour he can still stop on a dime and pull up from the mid-range area or wherever he wants to get to and in the flashes of that you know this game that he's played like it, it's just mostly just like shot making pure shot making he doesn't have much of an offensive game outside of that so hopefully the passing comes in time and then defensively kind of like what i was talking about with brandon miller the energy shows up there and obviously he is only 6'2 a little bit undersized but he is very pesky on that end, and he'll get under your skin. He will you know, probably defend maybe just ones and twos at this point, uh, but he doesn't mind going up against a bigger guy and, and trying to get him you know, pushed off the block or, or pushed away from the rim as, as much as possible. And uh, as we keep alluding to with the trade of Terry Rozier, Brandon Miller, the mellow ball, Nick Smith Jr., like this is the backcourt. I wouldn't say of the future, but you've got these young guys. Nick Smith is going to see a whole lot more minutes moving forward. And um, it's funny. I, I asked him in the beginning of the year, and he's such a level-headed guy about, like, you know, what do you value more, going down and getting playing time in Greensboro for the G League team, or would you rather sit the bench at Charlotte and kind of learn from the veterans? And he said he didn't really – he didn't, he didn't care one way or the other, and he's not – played at all in Greensboro but the fact that he's now getting more minutes in Charlotte you're starting to see that potential and I, I believe if I'm not mistaken he and Brandon were AAU teammate teammates at one point so there. oh nice so we mentioned the Rozier trade which happened this week following that trade the Hornets are now projected to have around 45 million in cap space this summer now, in the past, uh, the assumption would have been that a Jordan-led team would go out and use that money on free agents to boost the current squad for a playoff push. Is that still your expectation, or do you think we may see like a very different approach from the new ownership group? Yeah, I, I think it's a completely different approach. This is not a move that you would have seen under Michael Jordan, this type of trade, where they're trading Rozier to get off of his salary. And obviously, mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry is just in there to match salaries. No one's expecting to play in Charlotte. And so, you know, they're hoping for that that first round pick to convey as an unprotected one in 2028. Uh, but in terms of using that salary to kind of go after a guy like they did with Gordon Hayward uh, this summer or, you know, using that cap space to sign a guy, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. I think these owners are going to be a little bit more creative. They're going to be a little bit more progressive. Obviously, it's just one move under the new ownership. But I, I get a sense that it's going to be a change up from the previous regime and you almost wonder, like, Mitch Kupchak, like, did he have any say in this or the owners pushing this? So I, yeah. I do really like this. I do really like this trade for the Hornets. I, I've been pushing the fact that they need to get off Terry Rozier for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because he is extended uh, two more seasons after this. So you clear up that space. Kyle Lowry obviously expires after this season. Um, but, you know, 
you know, just getting that pairing between LaMelo and Brandon, that, that frees up the space. And, you know, it puts Brandon in a prime position to play in the backcourt for the rest of the season. But it's also an opportunity for the Hornets to take on bad contracts and, and maybe get an, another asset or two in the form of picks. But I don't see them using it in the way that they maybe have used it in the past, trying to sign a guy like Gordon Hayward. So um, I'm hoping that they're doing a different, you know, approach to this. And I think the new ownership hopefully kind of sees that too. Like the previous stuff just didn't work the way that they wanted it to. Have you heard any rumblings of how different to expect this franchise to look next year? Like are, are you as fans ex- anticipating like a new coach or a, a new GM coming in this summer? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone thinks that Mitch and, and Cliff are on their way out. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how much good it does to fire Clifford right now, especially if you don't have like a replacement in mind. Right. I mean, right. especially if someone's not available. Um, yeah. I mean, Coach Bud, if he's available, obviously, like you can get him in. But I think they're going to ride it out this season. But most people are expecting there to be a lot of turnover. Um, people also have, uh, I guess, theorized that Mitch Kupchak might not necessarily leave the organization completely. He would just step into a different role. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a new coach, new new GM, all that type of stuff. And I think there's going to be turnover in the roster as well. I think, you know, Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, I there's something about the fact that, like, I don't – they've played well together, but I almost feel like for the roster construction point of view, they need to move off one of those players. And Bridges is on an expiring, so if they are thinking about keeping him, you know – Considering all the uh, the drama that comes with that, they probably need to trade PJ. And I know his name has been floated out there a couple of times. You know, just just little things here and there. I feel like the whole roster construction needs to be different. And I think the owners see that. And then it's, it's going to start with the GM. It's going to start with the coach as well. Mm-hmm. And, and then for Hayward, what's what's the expectation there? Do, do the, is the expectation that he'll be moved, bought out? Like, what's the what's the thought right now with with him? Yeah, it's interesting because him and Lowry are, you know, expiring contracts, $30 million. $60 million total. Yeah. 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 And so it's going to be hard to trade both or buy out both. And I think with that new CBA rule, too, where, like, these teams that are above the apron can't sign players that Mm -hmm. make more than MLE, which obviously Lowry and Hayward both kind of fit that bill. Mm -hmm. I kind of think that gives more leverage to Charlotte because – you know, you could say, "Oh, Lowry wants to go to this team." Well, well, they're above the apron. Let, let, let's we're going to trade you to some somewhere else. Same thing with Hayward. The problem with Hayward right now, and I don't know if you view this as a good thing or a bad thing, he hasn't been playing for the past 15, 20 games. And does that lessen his trade value, or does that protect his trade value? I, I guess you can kind of look at it both mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been rumors about a buyout, but I don't think both he and Lowry are going to be bought out. I think Lowry is almost like the first priority deal with him if he is in a hornets uniform after the deadline it's not because the hornets didn't try to trade him uh hayward on the other hand i've gotten indications that he likes it here in charlotte he has a family now he has four kids i believe and they've, they've kind of settled here so whether or not you know he gets moved to a contender um i think he will come back to charlotte to kind of settle I almost wonder, like, would he be a guy that would be open to taking a contract, obviously lesser than he has now, and and being a veteran to Brandon Miller, um, or does he really, really value winning to the point to where he wants out after this season? Uh, so it's kind of up in the air, I think, between 
Hayward and Lowry, but I think Lowry might be the first guy that gets moved before Hayward is even considered. And it's really hard to judge Hayward's value right now just because he's been out for so long. So I don't know how you guys view that. If, if a guy's been injured, is that like hurting his trade value or is it more like, I guess his trade value can't get any worse? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think you could get a whole lot for him. Like we we discussed on our show, like Davis Bertans has, has a pretty attractive ex- expiring contract and then like the thunder have young guys on their team that aren't playing a whole lot like a tray man doesn't play uh-huh. a whole lot and so yeah. it's like hey could could we enter charlotte in a tray man with a davis bertans you know like, something like that where it's hey the the hornets get to try a young player yeah and then you know hayward gets to be on a team that's going to be in the playoffs like to me there's there's something that makes sense there I mean, Vecini, sam vicini brought up to me today like the mavericks as like another possible landing spot um, and Grant Williams being a player that goes back to Charlotte, which he, he said that Charlotte had interest in Grant Williams yep. over the summer. So like something like that, I think m- might make some sense um, for both squads. If I'm Charlotte, I probably just would rather have more expiring money and younger players than have like yes. a long-term. Cause I mean, you already talked about it. Like, Miles Bridges, like having having that problem with Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, like Grant Williams is kind of the same yeah. kind of like tweener player. So I don't necessarily see a match there, but I don't know. I don't know if e- either of those like strike you in any way. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat where you don't want the. I'd rather have the young asset versus the the money that extends two or three years. That's that's kind of the allure of trading Rozier. You get that money off the yeah. books. He was not the best pair with LaMelo or to, in my opinion, like they were both productive, but like when you paired them together, you know, they don't scare anyone in a postseason series because they don't play any defense. You know, yeah. Rozier is, is, you know, he can play the point of attack defense, but like, it, it's not, it's not great. Like they, they always target him late in games. I just remember this one game in Toronto where Scotty Barnes ran this pick and roll over and over again and it got Rozier onto Barnes and every single time it feels like <laughs> Barnes scored on a drive or a pass so I, I think getting off Rozier um, for that young pick I, I think that's the way to go that's why I'm always wary about like the D'Angelo Russell trade to uh the to the Hornets because he's got that player option next year yeah. maybe he maybe he doesn't want to be in Charlotte and he'll decline it but it's yeah. it's 19 million yeah uh, so the Hornets are likely to have another high pick in this draft. Uh, I don't know if you started looking into prospects, but what kind of player, or maybe you guys have targeted a specific player, um, what kind of player do the Hornets need to target in this upcoming draft? No, I'm not a draft guy, so I, I can't okay. speak to specific guys. But I, I think the one thing when it comes to this roster construction, um, you know, obviously there's three people on this roster that are considered like top tier untouchable players, uh, Brandon Miller, uh, LaMelo Ball, and Mark Williams to a lesser extent. And so when you think about those three guys, like you want to build around those guys. And so when it comes to drafting a high player, obviously you want to go with talent first. But I think there's a couple things that the Hornets fans, or at least in my view, that they need to kind of target skill-wise. I think the Hornets need size across the board, especially at the wing position. Like I just said about the Rozier pairing with LaMelo, there were some difficulties on the defensive side of the court. So they, they definitely need size, that two and three position. 
I, I think they need some guys that have more on ball ability that can that can break down a defense because right now Lamelo is the only guy, and so even though he's gotten better um, out of the pick and roll, like Alex said, uh, there, there's always an opportunity for him to play off ball because he's a good spot up shooter as well, and you know running some off-ball action for LaMelo is always a good thing. So I think those are the two biggest things, like size across the board, uh, a guy that can play on both ends because of that size, and then somebody who can play with the ball in his hands, break down a defense, and allow LaMelo to get off the ball sometimes. Because if you're if you're running the offense through LaMelo every single time, he has to expend all that energy on that end. And then defensively, yeah. um, it kind of wears him down, which he's actually better like an off-ball defender because he has those instincts, like those same instincts that he has on offense. Like he can use it to his advantage on the defensive side. But, you know, it, it's almost like you got to hide him on guys because he has this so like this high usage. So I would like a guy that can handle the ball a little bit more um, and, and play alongside LaMelo or, or run the second unit as well. Sounds like a great landing spot for Cody Williams. Never heard of him. Cody Williams. Yeah. Mm, he's uh, J-Dub's brother from yeah. OKC. Oh, really? He plays yeah. from Colorado, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's, he's shooting up uh, the mock drafts. He's Could be good. the number one pick now. He's really good. There, there's a there's um, a running on my podcast where you guys could probably list a, a draft prospect, and I would even say <laughs> he's a prospect or not. I, I couldn't tell you. Even like the international guys. Like you're, you got, you probably sound like you're making up something to me because I just, I just don't follow it. <laughs> That's probably smart. Uh, cause it is, it, it's a lot of work oh. I, seeing like what actual draft people, the work they put in yeah. as while they also follow, try to follow the NBA is just like absurd to me. Yeah. I don't know how they all do it. No. Um, all right, Richie, thank you for answering all our Hornets questions, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the beat. Hornets edition. Uh, this is our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head to head with an NBA beat writer this week. The challenger is Richie Randall from the BuzzBeat podcast. Um, Richie, how this works, I've come up with eight questions about the Hornets. Some are easy, some are very hard. Uh, just warning you. Oh, no. <laughs> <this week. laughs> Two of them, are, I think, are, are extremely hard. Um, so you're going to give me a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So where would you like to start, Gene? One through eight. You know, in honor of, of Rosier being traded, I'll do number three. Mm. Number three. Okay. If Brandon Miller continues on his current pace, he will quite easily set the Hornets franchise record for most three-pointers by a rookie. Who currently holds that record? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I lean towards two. Okay. Um, I'm don't don't say them both, because that'll help Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say the wrong one. I, I'm going to go with Kimba, but I, I don't feel good about it. Kimba Walker, that Kimba. is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Franchise leader currently. I feel like it has to be a, by a recent pick. Um, gosh, this feels wrong because I just don't feel like he was that good with the Hornets. I'll mm. say, I'll say Malik Monk. I just don't know though. Malik Monk, what a guess, Andrew. That is incorrect. Uh, Richie, was that your other name? No, and, and now I'm not even sure if my other name is going to be correct either. Devontae Graham? Also incorrect. Would you believe? Please. 
In fact, the only Charlotte Hornet rookie to ever hit more than 100 threes, and Brandon Miller is already at like 72. Is it Devontae Graham? No, that's what he just Oh, he just said Devontae Graham. Oh, I, I, I didn't hear him. I couldn't hear him for some reason. You weren't listening, Andrew. It's DJ Augustine. Wow. DJ Seriously. Augustine 108 three-pointers. Yeah. That was, a, and that was a long time ago. That was a very long time ago. Pretty cool. Pretty Weird. good uh, trivia by me. Um, all right, Andrew. <laughs> board is yours. Very good trivia by me. That was on the Bobcats. Um, one. Oh, that is true, technically, yeah. Well, uh, the history carried over. We're good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank God. Okay, question number one. Brandon Miller, second Brandon Miller question, is in the midst of the best stretch of his career, scoring 20-plus points in four straight games. Since the 2021 draft, only eight other rookies have had a similar four-game stretch where they scored 20-plus in each game, and we're going to name them all. So. How this works, Andrew will give me a name, then Rich will give me a name. We'll go back and forth till one of you stumbles. Oh, so, again, this boy. is since the 2021 draft. It has to be a rookie who had a similar four-game stretch, scoring 20-plus in four straight games. All right, Andrew. Paolo Bancaro. A great guess. That is correct. <clears throat> All right, Richie. Since the 2021 draft? Since the 20, including the 2021 okay. draft, yes. I'm going to go Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley? That is incorrect, which means Andrew gets the point. Now, uh, the easiest one there. Victor Wembanyama? Victor Wembanyama. Oh, I didn't think of this. Yeah. Uh, Shaden Sharp. Mm -hmm. J-Dub did it. Yeah, I was going to say Benedict Matherin. Oh. Jalen Green. Davion Mitchell. Oh, I would have not not gone there. And wow. uh, Kate Cunningham, which that, that one makes sense too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Davion Mitchell. Davion would have been, a, that's a wild one. That would have been an amazing poll yeah, by real. anyone. Uh, okay, Richie, board is yours. All right, let's go number six. Question number six. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Hornets' defense holds opponents to 5.3 fewer points per 100 possessions when this player is on the court. Best on the team. Who could it be? I guess like sample size be damned with this question, right? Too like I mean, it's it's probably. Uh, some, I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't choose anyone who like has only played like a hundred or two hundred minutes. So it's 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 a rotation guy. Man, <coughs> I might go over here. Um, I will go with. I will go with. Mark Williams. Mark Williams. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Tell me the question again. Uh, I mean, basically, when this player's on the court, uh, the the defense is uh, great, good, better, (laughs) better than anyone else's on the court. You know, plus 5.3, I guess minus 5.3 for the opponent's. Points okay. per 100 possessions. What about Cody Martin? Cody Martin? Uh, no, Andrew. No. How many uh, minutes yep. has he played? I don't know. Uh, he's played He's played 311 minutes. I guess that would have counted. But no. Would you believe it's JT Thor? JT Thor. JT Thor. Wow. I think, he's, I think he's regressed defensively this year. So that's Really? Yeah, I wow. do. Interesting. 
Great name, though. Um, yeah. Got to thought of name. Okay, Andrew, uh, the board is yours. By the way, we haven't even gotten to what I thought were the really hard questions. Okay, this is, Andrew. This is bad. This is real bad. Uh, number two. Question number two. What is Frank Nilakina's career high in points for a game? Now, Andrew, you get to choose who answers first. You can make Richie answer first and you go higher or lower. Or you can answer first and then Richie can go higher or lower. 27. 27 points is the bar that Andrew has set for Frank Nilakina's career high in points. Richie, would you like to go over or under that? My initial thought was 29. So I'm, I'm going to go over. I'm just going to stick to my guns. Over. Uh, whoa. You guys have uh, amazing thoughts about Frank Nilakina <laughs> as his score. Because his career high is 20 points. Wow. 20 points. Wow. <laughs> Big weird things happen. Robin Lopez has like 30-something points as his career high. So, I don't know. And Davion Mitchell right. had four straight and 20 yeah, points. Yeah, Davion Mitchell makes, makes, makes okay. me believe that anything okay. can happen, Al. Okay, well, the fact is, it was 20. Um, okay, Richie, <laughs> board is yours. I just know I'm going to pick one of these hard ones, but I guess it doesn't really matter. It could be easy because I'm getting these wrong, too. Um, let's go with number five. Question number five. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is really hard. All right, I'm just telling you up front, being real with you. Uh, long twos are considered the worst shot in basketball. But Charlotte does not like you taking them. In fact, Hornets opponents only take 7.5% of their shots from the long mid-range, which is the second lowest percentage in the league. Which Eastern Conference team allows opponents to shoot fewer long twos than Charlotte? So basically, they're, they're, they're not letting teams shoot long twos, which ideally you would want teams to shoot long twos. Um, okay. But they're second worst. So who's okay. the worst? It's an Eastern Conference team. I've narrowed it down to 14 teams for you. When you say this is hard, it's almost making me think that it's like a good team because I, I'm thinking of the bad team. Okay. Um, oh, uh, no. It's just because like I don't know how you would go about answering <laughs> Yeah, that. I guess it's <laughs> true. Because <laughs> uh, it's like such a specific thing. Yeah. You almost – I don't know. I, I'm going to go with a good team, <laughs> but a bad defensive team in the Eastern mm. Conference. I'm going to go with the Pacers. Very good guess. I like your train of thought. Uh, it's wrong, but uh, I like the effort you put into uh, that thinking. Um, Andrew, what would you like to say? You can pick another team. I just... You ever heard, have you ever a, heard a team like, uh, we, we love cutting down on their long twos. <laughs> That's our defensive strategy. We're not letting them get a foot within the three-point line. We're not yeah. going to do it. It's so weird. I don't know. Raptors? I just have no clue. It is... Now, when I say it, maybe it'll, it'll make sense. The Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Kind of believable when you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Andrew. Number, <laughs> number four. Question number four. Ooh, I like this one. Uh -oh. Mark Williams is currently averaging 9.7 rebounds per game. If he finishes the season at 10 rebounds per game, he will become only the eighth Charlotte Hornet in history to do so. Who was the most recent Charlotte Hornet to average 10-plus rebounds per game for a season? Oh, my gosh. The most recent Hornet to average 10 rebounds per game, game for, for, a a season. Season. for a season. Oh, my word. Who would this be? Hmm. <laughs> not, not a good rebounding team over the years. 
Mm. <laughs> I feel bad going back this far, but it's not Al Jefferson, is it? <laughs> Andrew, it is not okay. Al Jefferson, which means Richie has a chance to steal. Who could it be? Uh, I, I, I'm not going as far back as that, but I don't. I don't even know if this guy. I mean, he was a scrappy player, but I don't know if he got ten rebounds a game. I, I'm going to go Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller, uh, not scrappy enough. Now it was someone after Al Jefferson. Okay. From the 2017-18 season, averaged 12 and a half per game. 12. Played oh, oh. in 81 games. Oh gosh, I think I know who it is. Who was this? Dwight. Yeah. Dwight Howard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what a goofball. Oh, that's man. a weird. That's a weird Hornets team. That was a weird Hornets team. Wow. Uh, Richie, there's two questions left. I said there's one hard one left, but looking at them now, both pretty hard. So, which would you like to go with? Uh, let's go eight. Question number eight. All right, Charlotte has twenty two man lineups that have played more than three hundred minutes together. Only one of those two man lineups has a positive net rating. <laughs> with a plus 3.7. Who is in that lineup? Now, you do get one point per correct answer. So they have 20 of these two-man lineups that have played okay. a lot of minutes together. Only one of them is a positive. Who is in that lineup? Do I guess one person at a time, or do, or do I sure, just... Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just do one at a time. Um, I'm going to go Lamelo. Richie? Oh, my goodness. That is incorrect. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> you have a chance to steal. Uh, I I want to mention Leaky Black, but <laughs> just because of the name, it just keeps popping up. Um, in your brain? In my brain, yeah. Just a Harry Potter character randomly plopped on the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, Mark Williams? Good guess. That is correct. Ooh, um, Other name? Miles Bridges. No. Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Mark Williams. Uh, that's that's good, though. You Hello, know. Brandon. I should have gotten Brandon first, then. Um, okay, Andrew. Last question. Uh, first dibs. As long as Kyle Lowry is on the team... By the way, this is the question I thought was also the second hardest behind the Atlanta question. Okay. Uh, as long as Kyle Lowry is on the team, the Hornets have two players, Kyle Lowry and Ish Smith, who are listed at six feet tall. There are only two other teams in the league who have two players that are six feet or shorter. Which teams are they? Two players get, that are six feet or shorter. That's right. So you got to think of some short teams. Grizzlies? They have to, uh, no, I know who you're thinking of. Gilliard. Yeah, Jacob Gilliard. Shortest guy in the league, but no one else oh, is that short. Else. I just... That's yeah. uh, it's a good guess. It's a good guess. R Richie, any names you want to throw out here? Hmm. Let's go six feet or shorter. Um, let's go. I'm, I'm literally just pulling one out of the hat here. Uh, okay. let's, go, let's go Kings. Kings. Uh, I bet Davion probably is. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, Definitely is. But they don't have a second. Um, any other names you guys would like to throw out? Um, hmm. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. Let's go through the league. Uh, the first, the first team, uh, Minnesota. 
Mike Conley, Jordan McLaughlin. <laughs> oh, okay. Tough. Really tough. Yeah. Uh, Houston, Fred Houston. Van Vliet. Oh, Van Vliet. And Aaron Holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so, Andrew, you win Hornets Week. Congratulations. Yes. Some, I would say some of my hardest trivia questions yeah, that was really that tough. I've ever done. It's like, uh, I just, I'm leaving uh, trivia confused. I don't feel like I won. I don't feel like I won anything. <laughs> I, I would say that the Hornets lend themselves to harder trivia <laughs> questions. In my, in my experience, having done these trivia questions. <laughs> totally. This is, this is what I could come up with. You know? In the Bob the Bobcats era kind of confuses people as well. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Hey, go did you guys to, see that? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Richie, did you see that? You you may have no, it wasn't you who posted it. There's a uh, there's a triple autograph card on eBay right now, and it's Dwayne Wade, Jay Z, and Adam Morrison in a Bobcats uniform, all wow. autographed on the same card. The guy's trying to get a thousand dollars for it. And I've been I've been eyeing it. <laughs> I don't have a thousand dollars, but what a card! Yeah, you probably get more. You get more if Morrison wasn't on there, but. Well, I could trim it after I get it. Trim the Morrison off of it. <laughs> uh, hey, go listen to the Buzz Beat Pod. Uh, it's a it's it's the best Hornets pod. It is the source for Hornets news. Go check it out. Uh, Richie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. All right, Andrew. That was Charlotte Week. Uh, we still have twenty-one teams left to choose from. A, a lot of a mix of good teams. We got some terrible teams. There's some real bad teams in there, but a lot of um, lot of good stuff in there still. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Intrigue. getting Dallas. I feel like things are getting juicy in Dallas <laughs> with, with Band McMahon. <laughs> so funny. Um, <laughs> so classic. Um, okay, so we're gonna spin the wheel and see who we get this week. Real winning team will be. Los Angeles Clippers. Ooh, the Clippers. Clippers. Very interesting team. A very good team. That team is awesome. Who are they playing? Who are they playing? (laughs) Who are they playing? They are awesome. Ooh, we we get. Oh, they're on a. Wow, they're on a uh, seven game road trip right now. Or they're about to start. Wow. And we're going to get the beginning of it at Toronto, Mm -hmm. at Boston on Saturday. How is that not on national TV? What a treat. At Cleveland on Monday. Another Ooh, good one. Yeah. And then we wrap it up with our favorite at the Zards. Okay. See the Wizards again, second week in a row. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and if we hang on for Friday, we can watch Detroit again, too. Hey. At Detroit. There we go. Won't be hanging on for that. But should be should be a fun week. Uh, get our guy Law Murray on here to talk about the Clippers. Hey, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show. Um, we would very much appreciate that. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the basketball. We'll talk to you guys again next week.